0: All right, praise the Lord. Good morning. As we go to the Word of God, I'm going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 8. And this is a very, very important message. Not that the other ones weren't important. <laughs> but this is one that I think if you get a hold of this and you understand it, it can really affect your walk with the Lord as much as almost anything. And I think it's something that I can put my finger on and see as a real problem in our society and really affecting the way people are able to serve the Lord. But the title of my message is Growing, Growing In. you say, well, wait a minute, what's it going to be? Faith? Growing in what? Growing in the fear of the Lord growing in the fear of the Lord. And you don't normally hear those terms together. And you say, well, wait a minute, I'm a little confused here. Am I getting more and more afraid of God? Or what is the, you know, what are you trying to say here? So I want you to listen very carefully because I think this message is a key to our society and our faith in the Lord and our walk with the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 8 it says this, This is from the New American Standard Bible. It says, "Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law, which I am setting before you today? This is Moses speaking. He's at the end of his life, and he's giving some uh, sermons in the valley of Moab, and he's about to leave this world. He's at the end of his life. And so Deuteronomy, the actual meaning of the book is like second law. Because the whole generation died in the wilderness, so he's got a young uh, generation that's about to enter the promised land, and so he's repeating the law that God gave him at Mount Sinai. He's repeating the statutes and the things that God expected from this nation. He's repeating in the book of Deuteronomy because he has a whole new nation. He says, What great nation is there that has the statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I'm setting before you today? Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and that you do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. And then listen to this in verse 10. Remember the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me that I may let them, listen to this, hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord. Lord, I ask that you anoint your message, Lord. Lord, let it be uh, good. For our souls, Lord God. Father, not necessarily what we want to hear, what we would like to hear, Lord, but something that is good and healthy, Lord God, for our walk with you, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord God, today. Make us, Lord, strong in you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. So he says in Deuteronomy, gather the people together, assemble them together, that I may let them hear my words so they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth. So how are they acquiring this fear of God? Hearing his word and learning about it. Did you catch that? They're learning the fear of God. And you say, well, man, I thought I was either born with it or... I just think about it and I have it. But God is saying very clearly that by his words, he really wants you to learn it. He wants us to not only learn to fear God, but he also wants us to teach it to our children. Well, would I have to teach it to my children if I was born with it? Would I have to learn it from God's words if I already had it? God is asking us to grow in the fear of the Lord, to learn the fear of the Lord, to acquire the fear of the Lord. And if I look around our society, one of the things that I see that's missing that is really dangerous is is the fear of the Lord. We're not afraid of the Lord. You say, well, why should I be afraid of the Lord? He's a teddy bear. And that's the message, unfortunately, that we hear so often, is God is so nice. God, every quality that is good about God and good about me is what God is. And we don't want to mistake the fact that God is the kindest, the most loving, the most gracious, the most merciful. He has attributes that are beyond our attributes in loving kindness and mercy and grace and love. But also, when Jesus walked on the earth, he said, Don't fear man who can just kill your body. Oh, that's all you can do is kill me? There's something worse than that? Jesus said, But I'll tell you who to fear. Fear God, who after your body is dead can cast your soul into hell. That's who you should fear. And so we really need a healthy, everybody say healthy. That feels good with a mask on, doesn't it? We need a healthy dose of this fear of God, which is a wonderful thing that sometimes we avoid and we don't talk about. But we need it. And God is asking us to learn it, to acquire it, to grow in it, in order for us to serve him properly. And so he goes on here, and um, look at Psalm 3411, just to show you that he wants us to learn it. This is King David in 3411 of Psalms. It says, Come, my children, and listen to me. David speaking. I will teach you what? What? I will teach you the fear of the Lord. You understand David is asking them to learn, grow, acquire the fear of the Lord. That means I don't have it. And I need it. It's something I have to have or it's going to be difficult for me to serve the Lord. So David says, come to me, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life, I love life. How many of you love life? If you love life and desire to see good days, many good days, how many would desire to see good days? No, Chad, I want bad days. I want terrible days. We desire good days. We desire and love life. And it says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut the memory of them from the earth. Do you see that the fear of the Lord is the separating factor between the one who does well and the one that doesn't do well? And so we need to learn it, we need to acquire it, we need to grow in it. And it's a very important thing, and it's something that I believe that we don't um, understand. And I want you to imagine, if you will, what life would be like if you were completely without the fear of God. Just imagine, if you will, because I know you probably have never seen it in life, right? I'm sarcastic, come on, follow along with me. Can you imagine what life would be like if I have no fear of God whatsoever? Like, it never crossed my mind. I never had any fear whatsoever. It would be like a um, classroom with a teacher, and they had no respect for that teacher, no reverence for that teacher, and absolutely no fear of a paddle. Now, just imagine this scenario. I know it's hard. But if there were no real respect for that teacher, how many of the words that they teach are they going to hear? How well are they going to be obedient to what the classroom rules are? If there's that disrespect for a football coach, all right, let's say that they have no respect No fear. How many have ever had a football coach? Sometimes fear comes into the equation. All right? Now let's say that you had no respect, you had no fear, you had no, um, uh, just didn't respect the guy at all, and he's trying to get everybody to do the same thing. He has team rules. Just imagine, how well would they be obedient to the coach? How coachable would that team be? Let me ask you this, if you had a parent that you didn't respect and you didn't have any fear or reverence for, how well would you be obedient to your parent? And so we see when the breakdown of respect and the breakdown of fear enters the equation, it's very difficult to be obedient. It's very difficult to do uh, what you're being asked to do, Right? And now plug that into God is the most powerful being that has ever existed. He created the heavens and the earth. He created everything around us. And by the way, pinch yourself on the arm, He created you. Everything that you see with your body was created by God. And the Bible says, what if God, willing to show His wrath, created vessels fitted for destruction. You know what that means? That means that God created every man, every woman, every child, every baby, and when they came into the world, God has something the Bible calls foreknowledge. You know what foreknowledge is? He knows that we're going to either accept Him or reject Him. How many know that? And it says, what if God knowing already whether we'll accept Him or reject Him, was still willing to create that person, even though the Bible says His desire was that all men be saved. What if God was still willing to create that vessel, knowing that they would reject Him? Because God is willing to show His wrath. you understand? There is a God that is willing to show his wrath. And we should fear that God above anything else in this world. Now, when we get into the fear of the Lord, we have a little bit of a language problem because the Hebrew is very precise. In fact, I'm not going to go through the 17 Hebrew words that describe fear. Amen? Everybody thankful I'm not going through a Hebrew word study? But there are 17 words that describe what fear is, the different layers of it. Because a lot of times when you hear a message on the fear of the Lord, uh, they'll say, well, it's just a healthy respect. But as you begin to look at these 17 Hebrew words, one Aramaic word, a couple of uh, Greek words, not as expressive with the Greek, but as you begin to look, it's a variety of words. Um, one of the words is absolute awe, majesty. Like when you see him, it's like what you would see, um, like if you were to see a massive army of a million people uh, sitting in our parking lot and backed up all the way through the towns of Henderson and Evansville, and that army was about a million people, how many would uh, be in awe? It's like, Wow. What did I do? That's all. That's majestic almost. Ever been to a, uh, a skyscraper and you look at it, I mean, this is a word that is just majestic in all. Like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And there's this fear. There's a word in the Hebrew that expresses that. There's a word in the Hebrew that expresses extreme reverence. It's like I have so much reverence. Have you ever been in the presence of somebody that you respected so much? That you respected so much? Like maybe you're a musician and you run into that person who's the best guitarist in the world. Now, are you going to take the words of that guitarist and he says, This is how I do it. You're not going to say, he's an idiot. I got a better way. Probably wouldn't do it, would you? You'd be like, if he's a master and he does it this way, then I'm going to do my best to do it like he did it. You know, whatever area that respected person is in, you're going to be reverential to their words. You're going to hear their words and you're going to say to yourself, that's how I want to do it. God is the author of life. And so there's a Hebrew word that expresses the fear of God as a reverence for every word that he says. Like, man, I'm so reverent that when God says it, I fear him in that reverential way that I want to take his advice for my life. And the opposite is I'm going to do what I want because I'm smarter than him. Right? So the Hebrew expresses all these words. Another word in the Hebrew that expresses the fear of God is a word that just means like trembling and shaking and like I'm scared to death. You said they used that word in the Hebrew for God? But God was a teddy bear, right? Chad, that crashes my whole theology. Why are they terrified? You say, well, it's probably just wicked people. No, I'm going to show you later everybody. In fact, Jesus' best friend, John, I'm going to talk about that later, is in the presence of him, and he trembles. Jesus has to say, don't be afraid of me. His best friend. So there's a word that means terror, like, man, when I see God the way, uh, when I see the presence of God, I just am terrified, and there's a fear and a trembling that comes upon you, and So God wants us to acquire this full word that we don't quite get in the English, and that full word is the fear of the Lord. He wants us to learn it and experience it and grow in it because it's going to be healthy for our walk with the Lord. And some of you that are here today, can I tell you the truth? You haven't been taught to fear the Lord by your parents like it asked them to do for you. And right now you don't have any fear. You do anything you want. And it's like I don't even care what God thinks. And I'm talking about Christians. And you say, man, are you being hard on me? No, I'm saying let's all of us grow in it. Let's all of us grow in our reverence of the Lord and our um, and our fear of the Lord. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. How many have heard messages and said, man, I should never be afraid of God. And so we don't want to talk about that. But I'm telling you it's a beneficial thing. When you get more reverence for your parents, is it going to be a benefit or not? If you're more respectful to your parents, it's going to be a benefit for that family. If you're more respectful of your boss, how many you know? How many have ever been a a leader at work? Is it better or is it worse when they respect you? It's kind of a no brainer, right? Have you ever been on a sports team, is it better when they go their own way or is it better when they are compliant and they listen and they actually follow leadership? And so all God's asking you to do is grow in your reverence to God. Grow in your fear of the Lord because it's going to make your walk so much better. So I'm going to start with the benefits. How I many like benefits? I like benefits. Amen benefits of the fear of the Lord. Because I don't want you staying away from it. I want you to run right into it. And say, God, I want to be more reverent. I want to be more respectful of you. And I want to consider your ways more than my ways. And so listen to this. He says, remember the day that you stood before the Lord God at Horeb. Okay, Mount Horeb is a very interesting place. How many know... Mount Horeb is actually Mount Sinai. Um, there's two halves to that mountain like most mountains. One mountain has a shadow on it and one mountain side of the mountain has a sun on it. And so most people believe, most scholars believe that one side of the mountain was called Horeb and the other side was called Sinai. So this is an incident that occurred with the children of Israel. And it's very important that you understand it. Uh, He's referring to the time in history in Exodus 20, verse 18, where they actually were taken to Mount Horeb to meet with God. God had a specific meeting where He wanted them to be in His presence, and this is going to be very important. Now, why did God want them in His presence? Let's read it. Exodus 20, verse 18 says, "...when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke... They trembled with fear. i got to paint this scene now. All right, everybody, let's leave the sanctuary. God has asked me to assemble you together to go meet with Him. Okay, if you were God, how would you meet with these people? I think it would be better if God handed out Jolly Ranchers. What do you think? Jolly Ranchers... Goody bags would be good, right? I mean, if we could find a way that they would, like, really think God is cool. You know, I mean, God, make sure what you look like is pretty cool. The place that we're at's got to be pretty cool. Environment's got to be right, right? God doesn't do that. God intentionally, as we're going to find out as I keep reading, makes the scene pretty rough, Okay? Let's say that we all go together, the meeting place is Mount Horeb, and we're going to meet with God, right? Now, incidentally, this is where God makes his covenant with them. Okay, so I'm going to make a life agreement with you. I'm going to ask this nation to live for me, not walk in their own ways, but walk in my ways, and now come meet so we can ratify this covenant. Okay, they get there, and this is what they see. A mountain covered with thunder and lightning to start. Okay, we're standing at the mountain. It's the appointed time. This is when you told us to meet. Can you imagine? Lightning all over the mountain. Thunder. How many have ever been in a real thunderstorm? I think this was a bad thunderstorm. I think God, when he intentionally wants to ratchet up the thunder and the lightning, I think it's probably a pretty dramatic scene here. How many agree? Thunder and lightning trumpets are blowing, and it's not people blowing them so who's blowing these trumpets? This is a fearful scene that trumpet symbolizes judgment. How many know that it's a symbol of the judgment it's trump it's thunder it's lightning, trumpets, and the mountain is covered in smoke, okay. What happens when it's covered with smoke? I can't see anything. So I'm moving around, and we're dependent on our side, aren't we? So I got all this smoke all around. Thunder is everywhere. Lightning is everywhere. Trumpets are supernaturally blowing. And it says, naturally, what do they do? They trembled in fear. They were scared to death, Right? Well, good job, God. You ruined this whole meeting, right? Doesn't it look like God kind of ruined their meeting? It's like, why do you want them to be afraid of you when you could have done like we suggested with the ranchers and the gift bags? God intentionally did this. And if you miss this, you're going to miss everything. It says, They trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance. And they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, And we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. He's saying, Don't be afraid. Even though it's really, really scary, don't be afraid because you have a covenant with that God. That God has promised to protect you and take care of you. I'm not afraid. You shouldn't be either. He said, Don't be afraid. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you. So that what? The fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness. You ever been in thick darkness? You ever been somewhere so dark like in a cave where you can't see your hand in front of you? That's thick darkness. Okay? thunder, lightning, smoke, and God wanted them to fear him. Why? Because if you take that fear with you the rest of your life, it'll help you not sin against me. That's exactly what he said. So God wants us in the covenant to take the fear with us. He wants us to be afraid He wants us to see the power of God, the majesty of God, the authority of God. He wants us to stand in God's presence, and he wants us to tremble again. He wants us to grow in that. Because if we know the fear of God, this is the first benefit. It will help us to not sin. How many know that? The fear of God is an awareness that that God that is all-powerful, that God who is in authority, that God who has created everything, the fear of God is the continued awareness. This is what we're growing in. We're growing in awareness. You're like, wait a minute. I didn't even know God was there. I mean, how many think that a lot of people go their whole life and not even realize God is even there? But God is wanting us to grow in our awareness that God is always there. God wants us to grow and realize that we're not hiding from God really ever. How many know that? And growing in the fear of God is growing in the understanding that God is present in this world. That God is one who is always present. God is all-powerful. And so when we grow in our awareness that God is always present, we don't want to sin as much. And so that's one of the benefits of the fear of the Lord. The second one, listen to this. Psalm 85.9, Surely His salvation is near to those who fear Him, that His glory may dwell in our land. Now, I don't want to make a theological argument out of this verse, but it clearly says salvation is nearer to those who fear than those who don't. So if I fear and have a healthy respect for God and his words, then salvation is closer to me than this other guy that has no fear for God or reverence. So you'll the second benefit first you'll you'll sin less. Second, salvation is actually nearer to me than it is to the one who doesn't respect God. Amen. Psalm twenty five, eleven says, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? God will instruct him in the way that he should choose. So did you hear that? If you fear God, God will begin to give me instructions and on the way that I should choose maybe we should take that word choose out there out of there that might mess with people's theology if I, if I if I don't take that out of there but it says who is he that fears the lord because God will instruct him in the way that he should choose his soul will abide in prosperity His descendants will inherit the land. Now listen to this. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. He will make them to know his covenant. That's amazing. Here he says that he's going to begin to reveal secrets and instructions. How many like secrets and instructions from God? What were they going to the mountain for? To be a part of his covenant. And here it says, if I fear the Lord, he will instruct me what I should choose, and he will make his covenant known to me. So if I am respectful, reverent, have a healthy fear of God, God's going to begin to instruct me. He's going to begin to talk to me. Now what you say, well, this, this just makes sense. Because if I now respect my coach, if I now respect my parent, if I now respect my boss, now I'll actually follow instructions. So it makes total sense. So now I fear the Lord, and the Lord's opinion is above my opinion. So now God is going to begin to reveal instructions to me. He's going to begin to tell me how I should live, things that I should choose, and he's going to begin to explain his covenant agreement with me, because I fear the Lord. Number four, you will grow in wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You say, well, I fear the Lord. I'm the wisest man that ever lived now. No, you just got started. You just got started in the wisdom thing. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So if I am respectful to the Lord and I put His words above my words, man, that's hard to do, isn't it? Everybody's got an opinion. But I remember when I came to the Lord, I dropped all my opinions. And I said, "Your opinion is more important than mine, because God is wiser than me, right? And so when I did that, how many of you know that I began my journey of wisdom? I didn't arrive. Now I realize that God knows better than me. There's nothing worse than having a precocious coworker, right? Somebody who is uh, on your job site that knows everything. It's like, well, I've been here 30 years doing this job in this factory. This guy's been here a week and he already knows a better way. How many have ever been in that situation? I'm trying to teach you your job, okay? No, I got a better way. And see, that's what we do. When we come to the Lord and we don't begin in that foundational beginning of wisdom, and that is, God, you know better than me. There were a lot of things I read in the Bible that I thought to myself, I don't know if I agree with that. But I did it anyway because God knew better than me, and guess what I found out down the road? He was right. And here's the thing. You're not going to understand a lot of the things God asks you to do, but if you'll just do it, He'll begin to reveal these secrets, this wisdom, this understanding. And there's no other way to get it but then to say, I revere you, Lord. I I fear you. I I respect your opinion above anybody else's. You, You mean... You almost sound like you're saying you believe his opinion more than Dr. Phil. I'm actually saying that. Revere God more than any of the wise counselors of the world. His counsel is better than anybody's. You say, even the Internet and my best friend? Yes. Yes and yes. Hallelujah. Listen to this, David in chapter 34 of Psalm. This is a very important chapter because David is learning how to trust God. David actually, there's a national manhunt for David. How many know that? At one point in David's life, he was a fugitive running from Saul. Saul had the entire army looking for David all across the country, and David had done nothing wrong. David was just the one that God anointed to be king at a young age, and he was almost a king in waiting, and Saul was a king that was going out. And so Saul wanted to kill David, and Saul hunted David all across the country. How many have read that? David is running for his life, okay? Now get this. David is running for his life, and he has to run into a neighboring town, in order to get away from the national manhunt of Saul. So he has to run into Philistine community. Now remember, David killed the giant Goliath, who was the greatest warrior that the Philistines had, and David only really had one thing on him, and it was a sword that belonged to Goliath. So you're in pretty bad shape if you have to run to your worst enemy to get protection, and you've got the sword on your hip of their champion that you killed, and his brothers are the ones in authority over there. And so David walks in, and he's pretty well dead, man. How many you know that? Psalm 34 was the psalm that was written by David after this event. David, just on sheer instincts, is trying to find a way to survive. And so David goes into the Philistine camp, and he does what any um, survivalist would do, right? He acts like a crazy man. He starts slobbering all over himself. He uh, starts acting like a madman. And the Philistines get him and they say, Hey, we think this is David, but he's an absolute... There's something wrong mentally with this guy. And he fakes a mental illness in order to save his life. And then he has to run into a cave and live in a cave. And so while David is in this cave, he's almost lost his life from the national manhunt. He's almost lost his life at the hands of his enemies, and now he barely escapes the Philistines and hides in a cave, which is in the valley where he actually killed Goliath. So he's trembling and fearing for his life and has nowhere to turn for help and has nothing else left, and he thinks he's as good as a dead man. And so he goes in this cave, and I'm sure at night... He would walk around that old battlefield where he killed Goliath and he had the sword probably still, and, and he probably wondered about the power of God and how God brought him through all that. And, but he was having a crisis of faith. And something happened to David in that cave. Because when David came out of that cave, he began writing psalms like Psalm 34. And listen to what he writes here. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear me and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called to the Lord and he heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and I will deli- and delivers them. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him will lack nothing. The lions grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord... I lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil. This is where David is pulling them together to teach them about the fear of the Lord. What David realized was the fear of the Lord swallows up every other fear. Before, he was afraid of Saul. He was afraid of the Philistines. He was afraid for his life, and somehow in this cave, he realized that if I just fear God, there's nothing in this world that David is going to ever fear. And by the time he left that cave, he was dancing, worshiping God, celebrating God's name, celebrating the safety, the protection of uh, everything that he ever desired given by the Lord, and by the time he left, how many know the nations of the world began to find David in that cave, and David began to pull together everybody who were nobodies, and they became David's mighty men in that cave, because David learned to fear the Lord and fear nothing else. So David's needs were provided. Number seven. It'll bring health to your body. Do not, this is uh, Proverbs 3, 7 and 8. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Didn't we just talk about that? My wisdom. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. You're telling me I'll be healthier if I fear the Lord? You see how valuable this is to your walk? Well, how can I be healthier? Because you're listening to God and you're not using your own wisdom. A lot of your wisdom leads to your body breaking down. Okay? It leads to bad things in your life. It leads to damaging things. How many of you know God's Word is to bless His people? Say, no, 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 God's just angry and He wants me to do all kinds of things and and do things that He tells me to do. No, God gives you his word to bless you. And so if we're reverent and we fear God, we're going to be healthier people. Chet, are you preaching prosperity? Healthy, wealthy, and wise? Well, the Bible says that I've got to preach that. Now, what I don't like about it is, you give this much money and God is going to do this. I don't like that gospel. I don't like the prosperity message when it goes in those lines. But to say that to be obedient to God you'll be healthy in your body because you're listening to God? That's the word of God. It says God will protect you. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. I don't think you heard what I just said. You ever had angels camping around you? That's what it says. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. So if I respect God, love God, How many know spiritually angels are actually camping around me? The angel of the Lord encamps around me because I respect him and I fear him. He's there to protect me. How many know that? How many want that? I want to fear God. I want to to have respect and reverence for God because he's going to protect me. Oh, I'm going to make a real promise here. All right, this, this is going to come back on me, I know. You're going to live longer. You're making big promises, Chad. It says in Proverbs 10.27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. So you're telling me if I really respect God, trust God, love God, respect His words and implement them in my life, that I'm going to have a longer life than somebody that doesn't listen to God? That's exactly what I'm saying. Because the Bible says it. I've got to teach it. Amen? All right. You say, man, your messages are longer when you're, when you're live and not online. Yeah, they are. I'm sorry. <laughs> You'll be happy. How many want to be happy? say, man, what kind of gospel is this guy preaching? Proverbs 28.14 says, How blessed is the man who fears God always, but he who hardens his heart, will fall into calamity. You said I would be happy, not blessed. New King James Version interprets blessed this way. Happy is the man who is always reverent to God, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. King James, happy is the man who feareth always, but he that hardens his heart shall fall into mischief. Um, Other interpretations, fall into trouble, fall into trouble, he will be ruined, he'll fall into trouble. So it says there that if you fear God and actually listen to him, You'll live a happy life and you won't be ruined. But if you don't fear God, calamity. Amen. i gotta, I got to move along, don't I? I'm giving you the benefits. We'll skip over a few here. How about riches and honor? You know, if you trust God and not trust yourself, you will get riches and honor. Listen to what it says. True humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life. Proverbs 22.4. 4. I can't change that. I've got to preach. How many know I have to preach that? It's very clear. True humility and fear of the Lord leads to riches, honors, and a long life. Now let's read the verses before and after. The prudent see danger and they take cover, but the simple keep going and suffer consequences. You see, I'm listening to the Lord, I'm walking with the Lord, I respect the Lord, I fear the Lord, and and so when I see danger, I take cover, but the simple keep going and suffer consequences. The rewards of humility and the fear of the Lord are wealth and honor and life. Thorns and snares lie on the path of the perverse. He who guards his soul stays far from those people. You see that? The ones who don't listen to the Lord just fall into thorns and snares constantly. Have you seen that? Amen. So we need to fear the Lord. So how can I learn to fear the Lord? That's the big question. And I've just got four things here. So, you've only got four? Yeah, that's it. Four ways that I believe you can grow in your fear of the Lord. Number one, David. David um, said, oh boy. My printer went out there. David said in Psalm 8, 3, and 4, he said, When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? One way you can cultivate and grow in your reverence for the Lord is attribute to God the things that he created. Revelation says, That which may be known of God is obvious for them, for God has shown it to them for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even as eternal power and Godhead, so you are without excuse. How many know that some people look at the heavens? Some people look at a storm. Some people look at an ocean. Some people look at space, and they don't see God at all. How can you look at the things that are around you and not give glory to God and see how big God is? We have ways, in fact, in Deuteronomy when it says, teach your children the fear of God, a couple of chapters later is what's called the Creed of Israel. It says, everywhere you walk, tell them about me. And so every time you see things in life, you should be constantly aware that God is bigger than you, that God is majestic, God is powerful, God is big, I am small, why is God even mindful of me? And so one way you can grow in the fear of the Lord is attribute to God the things that He created and be in wonder of God. See God's majesty, see God's glory, see how big He is, and never forget to thank God for everything He's done for us in this world because God is bigger than we give Him credit for. And why is He even mindful of me? So one way you can grow in the Lord is attribute to God all the majestic things that He has done. One good way not to have the fear of God is to say that it was a molecule that just grew into a man, that somehow this this world just evolved and God didn't create it. That's one sure way to not have the fear of God. We give God credit for everything that he's done. Number two. Actually, that was number two. Awareness. Recognizes workmanship. Number three, how many of you know his word helps you grow in the fear of the Lord. It says, "When a new king of Israel comes to the throne, you know what they were supposed to do? This is in um, Deuteronomy 17:15 it says, "You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses." One from among your countrymen you shall set as king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses, shall not cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Since the Lord said to you, you shall never return again that way. He shall not multiply wives for himself, or else his heart will turn away. shall not increase his gold and silver for himself. Now it shall come about when he sits on the throne of the kingdom... He shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. So in order to become a king, there's a lot of things God didn't want him to do, which they ended up doing. But the one thing he was supposed to do, he was supposed to personally write out the law of Moses. You know how long it takes to write out the five books of Moses? The king was supposed to be in the presence of the priests. Write it out. Then what? Okay, I've got it written. In the presence of the priest, it shall be with him. He shall read it all the days of his life. Why? So that he may learn to fear his God by carefully observing all the words of the law and these statutes. So the king was required to read the law that he hand-wrote because the king needed to learn to fear the Lord. So how many know reading the Bible will cause you to learn how to have a fear of God. You'll grow in your fear of God. And the last one, the last thing that we can do to grow in the fear of the Lord, approach the mountain. How many know when you're in the presence of God, something happens to you? And I'm going to close with this, so listen to this one. I know everybody's getting restless man, I've got this mask on, I don't know. Approach the mountain. God wanted them to approach the mountain, but they wouldn't do it, right? God wanted them to approach the mountain because they would grow in the fear of the Lord. His presence is fearful, and it's a good thing for us. It's a profitable thing for us. It's a good thing to know how powerful your God is. And so God wants us to approach the mountain, but what happens when we finally get in the presence of God? Listen to Isaiah. This wasn't a wicked person. This was a very faithful prophet. He's seen God in the temple high and lifted up. Isaiah 6, five says, Then said me, woe is me. I am undone, as I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He's saying, I'm going to die. Woe is me. He feels like he's going to die because he's seen the presence of God, and it was... Terrifying. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision. There remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned into corruption. I retained no strength. I heard the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then I was in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, set upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. He said to me, Daniel... Actually, I'll move to my next one. This is Daniel chapter 10. Um, Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for unto you I am now sent. had spoken the word, and I stood there trembling. So Isaiah is trembling. Daniel now hears the word of the Lord in a vision, and he's trembling. You ever trembled? There have been times in your life you were so afraid of what you've seen that your knees were shaking and you were trembling? It takes a lot to do that, really. Paul, Paul was, uh, how many know that Paul was so opposed to Jesus Christ that he was killing every Christian at the time? Something changed Paul, and it was the presence of Jesus Christ. Paul had a vision, and it said, and he said, he says, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city, and you'll be told what you must do next. And Paul was so terrified at this vision of Jesus how many know that he began to convert nearly the whole known world at that time because of one vision of the presence of God? You go on, and this is one of the most impactful ones to me I mentioned earlier. Revelation one twelve and verse 17. Uh, this is John saying, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and when I saw him, I fell up my f- at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me and said to me, Fear not, John. Remember, John was probably Jesus' best friend. How many know that? John's an old man now. He's the last of the apostles, and he was the one whom Jesus loved, the Bible says. He's the one that said, hey, here's my mother. Take care of her. If anybody could have felt comfortable around Jesus, wouldn't it be John? John has a vision of Jesus. John's an old man, and when he sees Jesus in his glory, he's scared to death. Explain that to me. Why is John so trembling in his presence that Jesus has to pick him up and say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And see, here's the thing. You can actually go on, and I've got three or four more where they're always trembling. And what God wants us to do is learn to get in his presence, get a vision of who he is, because every time... You're right with God and you're in his presence. The initial reaction is, he's so awesome, I tremble. But then God has to reassure you, it's okay. Come to me. Come to me. And they're standing at the mountain, some of us, and saying, I don't want to know God. But the more you know God, the more majestic he becomes. The more real he becomes. The more powerful he becomes. The less you want to sin, the more you are blessed, the more you know about him. And God's saying, yes, I am a fearful God that you should respect. And I am awesome and I am mighty, but I'm telling you, come to me, don't be afraid. Come to me, don't be afraid. And God wants you to have a vision of who He is, and God wants you to have a healthy fear of the Lord. Stand to your feet. Worship team. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, I'm just going to open up. I'm not even going to say the altars because I, I want you to make an altar at your seat. And I just want to have a few moments where we grow in our reverence. I mean, I think reverence in, in the presence of the Lord is important. Let's grow in our reverence this morning. You say, well, man, I've got a date with, like, Grandy's, you know, or, or, or McDonald's or something. No, let's, let's have reverence for the Lord this morning. Let's just worship the Lord for a few moments and say, God, I respect you. I love you. You're my everything. And let's just worship Him this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, we ask you today, Lord, that you would uh, teach us, Lord, to hear you, Lord. Lord, we understand that you're not the um, man upstairs, as so many like to say, Lord. You're not uh, just like one of us, Lord God. Lord, you are majestic, you are holy. Anything, Lord God, that we will ever know. You are great, Lord God. You are awesome. Lord, we know that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, which your word says. But Lord, we also know that you love us, Lord. You're mindful of us, Lord God. That though we are small, Lord God, we are the apple of your eye. Lord, we know that you gave your only son, your only begotten son, Lord God, to die for us, Lord, so that we could approach you, Lord, we could know you, Lord God, and we could love you, Lord. Lord, we thank you today, Lord God. Help us grow in you, Lord God. Lord, I ask that you bless these people, Lord God. Lord, reveal yourself to us, Lord your name we pray. Everybody said...